Thanks for listening to the Adulting is Easy podcast. This is Lauren. As you may know by now, I manage the Adulting is Easy blog and podcast, which can be found at realadultingiseasy.com. I'm joined today by my husband, Eric. We're social distancing like crazy down here in Florida. More like going crazy from social distancing. Good one. (laughs) Since the whole world is turned upside down anyways, we're going to change things up today and talk about how we are actually handling the COVID-19 crisis ourselves financially. Yeah, and uh, that's better than another podcast or article about uh, how to be most productive working from home. I mean, we could talk about what it's like to work at home with your spouse just like all the time. Yeah, but the uh, thing is, this is not going to change once the world goes back to normal. So. <laughs> We'd have to air it. Basically, would be a group therapy session on, on uh, record. <laughs> okay, everyone. Normally, I'm having a glass of wine while we're doing this, but it's early in the morning, so I'm having tea instead. So if I'm a little off, that's probably why. Whose idea was that? What? To do in the morning? morning? You, you crazy morning person. That's uh, true. I could never get Jenny to do one of these in the morning. Are you kidding me? Um, so... She doesn't wake up for another five hours. Oh, God, I know. Teenagers. <laughs> she doesn't even have to go to school now. Okay. Anyways, we digress. So as some of you may know from recent blogs and podcasts, we're looking to buy a new house, move, and then sell our home. That was the plan before this whole thing kind of hit. Um, we were also supposed to go on a cruise mid-March. Um, that was obviously um, disrupted. We were permitted to cancel, but the cruise industry shut down the night before anyways, which probably turned out to be a good thing because we would have been stuck on there. Um, so early March, we went under contract to buy a house, um, kind of the day before all of this went down the day before we, you know, we decided to basically cancel our cruise and all of that. Um, so that was a Friday and we're very, very excited about it. I was so happy we won that house. It took us like a week to get to that point when we went under contract Mm -hmm. going back and forth. And this lady was a little bit slow because she had to sign everything, like physically sign it. Um, so we went camping over the weekend instead of going on the cruise. Some of our friends invited us camping. And when we got back on Monday, crap was hitting the fan. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, it was pretty crazy time. Um, nothing that I've ever experienced in my lifetime, but our, uh, inspection was supposed to be Wednesday. Um, and that was $600 and our termite inspection was uh, I guess we also had that scheduled for Wednesday, and that was $100. Uh, when we went back to lock in our rate on, was that Monday or Tuesday? I don't remember which one. Yeah, whatever, it doesn't matter. I think it was Monday. On Monday, the interest rates went up a whole point, which was crazy because we had just gotten the news that the federal rate was zero. Yeah. We're near there. I think so. that was when they had the coordinated worldwide cut. Um, so that was pretty crazy. Because of the volatility, I guess rates went up at that point. Um, so that was a little disheartening and just became another data point as we were making our decision whether to move forward or not. Yeah. So meanwhile, we had all this sort of personal craziness going on with the house. Uh, the markets continued to crash. States started locking down. Uh, turns out I contracted poison ivy while camping, uh, and the hysteria generally began to set in. So we were under contract near asking and, you know, what we figured was top of the market um, as the stock market in general was, was just starting to crash and the housing market was not impacted by that at all yet. Um, 
you know, we began to ask ourselves if we did end up purchasing this this house, would we even be able to sell our own house as a uh, recession potentially was beginning to set in and um, people losing their jobs and losing confidence in general? Yeah, we were we have enough cash that we could have bought that house and then sold this house that we are in. And that way we wouldn't have had to have a contingent contract on that house. Um which we wanted to do, but then we that made an assumption that we'd be able to sell this house for a decent price. We've only been here a little over three years, so we don't we certainly don't want to lose money on this house that we're in. So um, that was a huge consideration of a recession or people are actually saying the D word nowadays uh, that we might be heading towards a depression. So um, but back then we thought it was just going to be a recession, but we didn't know if we were going to be able to sell this house once we bought that one. So uh, we basically we canceled the contract, uh, which. Um, was on a, <clears throat> it was also on a property with a main home in the front and two vacation rentals in the back. So, um, you know, we weren't going to be able to do anything with vacation rentals either. Yeah, it was pretty disheartening. We were really excited about that and saw a lot of potential, but I still have hope for it. We're talking, <laughs> we're still talking her down. Um, <clears throat> another 20 grand and I'll think about it, but oh, yeah, she must be hurting with no oh, short term rentals. I know. But... I feel, I really feel for her on that. Um, so we started investing in the stock market outside of our retirement accounts late last year. Something that you might also have noticed about me is I talk a lot about saving for retirement, talk a lot about real estate. Those are things that I and really, I just like those things. Um, I've never had any stocks outside of our retirement accounts until after Eric and I got married which was, you know, mid last year. So we had maybe $5,000 in uh, the market before the bull turned into a bear market faster than we turned our canoe around from that 12 foot gator while we were camping. Oh boy. Don't remind me about our nature experience. How much detail should we go into talking about our nature experience? I don't think we need to go into any. The point is there was a 12 foot gator, a swarm of bees, a snake, and Eric got poison ivy all at the same time. Well, it wasn't just any snake. It was a water moccasin. Oh, there was another snake. Some, uh, it was a coral snake that we saw. No, not a coral And it was snake. huge. It was, it was a corn snake. It was a big snake. It was a tiny snake. <laughs> well, the water moccasin. The water moccasin big. was scary, but that did not happen when the gator and the bees happened. And the poison ivy. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Uh, Don't you the... wish we would have been able to go on the cruise? <laughs> that would have happened. Good times, good times, yeah. Uh, so do you want to tell everybody about um, what's been going on with our stocks? Yeah, so... I, I guess we had about $5,000 in there before all this craziness happened. So January 10th, before this happened, we put in $1,000 into our brokerage account. February 10th, we put $1,000 in our brokerage account. At this point, we had a total of $5,000 in there, roughly. On February 20th, and again, this isn't like official not a finance person per se, but uh, the major decline that I started to see was uh, on February 20th, and the Dow was at 29200 On February 28th, we put $1,000 in our brokerage, and if you'll notice, that was sooner than if we were staying on our schedule of $1,000 a month, um, and that was just because we saw the markets dip, and we thought that might have been an opportunity uh, to purchase slow. Yeah, so we had been buying on the 10th of every month, $1,000. Right, right, right. And instead, we moved it up, which would have been March 10th. We put moved it, the 1000 up to February 28th. And then uh, our next transaction happened to occur on, on, on March 10th. I, I'm pretty sure that was just a coincidence that it was that day. But at that point, we put another $2,000 into our brokerage. 
um, on March 12th, the market, and again, I'm just going to sort of illustrate the, the volatility of the market during this period um, with these major day changes. On March 12th, it dropped 10%. On March 13th, it gained 10%. So basically a wash from what you put in on March 10th. Correct, correct. Um, and then on March 16th, it dropped 12%, and I think that was the worst stock market day that we've had since Black Monday. That sounds right. Yeah. So um, then after that 12% drop on March 17th, I put 4000 into our brokerage. And at this point, I think Lauren was starting to get a little bit concerned with my frivolous stock market spending. <laughs> I, was, I just I do <laughs> want to buy a house eventually. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, on March 23rd, I put another $1,000 into the brokerage. And then also, um, you know, they say you can't time the market, but uh, that happened to also be the bottom that we've experienced to this point um, where the Dow was at 18,600 thereabout. Right, and it was almost at 30. And yeah, it was almost at 30 on February 20th, uh, about a month before. So that's pretty crazy. And I think historically that was the quickest we've ever transition yes. yeah that was the quickest quickest transition from bear to bull and just um i mean bull to bear so let me just um explain that really quickly for everybody a bull market is when the market is rising basically continuously a bear market is when it's going down so if somebody's bearish they means that means that they think things are going to be bad for a while if people are bullish that means they think the market's going to be going up for a while um so and a transition from bull to bear, what that means is from the peak, from the highest peak, it drops 20%. And that's when you are technically transitioning from what is called a bull market to being called a bear market. And then um, if it goes up 20% from the bottom, you're then in a bull market again, which did happen. Yeah, we were in a bear market or a uh, bull market. And well, then, bear and then bull. Right. And then we've since transitioned back. Now we're back to bear. Which is, yeah, kind of crazy. Fun. Uh, anyway, so after that bottom, I, again, March 24th, we had a historical gain of 11%. Um, and then our final transaction that we've done to this point was on April 3rd, which was $2,000 into an IRA. A Roth IRA, right? Well, traditional IRA. Right, but Roth. You converted it to Roth, right? Right, yeah. Then so, it was converted. Yeah, so a Roth IRA. And um, we are doing my Roth as well. I'm going to put 6000 in, 2000 this week, 2000 next week, and 2000 the week after that, right? Correct. Yes. Which is a little bit of a bummer. I've been waiting for my funds to be transferred, and um, you don't have it on here what happened yesterday, but it went up quite a bit, like 7 or 8%. Yeah, and um, I don't know where we're at today, but the futures are trading another 4% up, so it could potentially open 4%. So that's a pretty significant creep up over the past few days. But you know, they're still it's still volatile, so it'll probably go back down. Yeah. So tell so uh, <clears throat> when you're making these purchases, what are you, are you buying? Netflix? What What are you buying? Ah, uh, you know that's a good idea. And think about that. You know, <laughs> everyone quarantined at the house. Netflix probably doing pretty good right about now. Um, <laughs> no. So we are, and I use we uh, generously to include myself, uh, financially minded people. And we don't necessarily consider ourselves in a position to purchase individual shares in a company. When you purchase individual shares in a company, that's typically a, a risky uh, endeavor. Uh, do you agree? 
Yes, I do. And I'll say a couple of things about that. You know, do we have the cash? Yeah, we have the cash where we could be buying individual stocks, right? But do we have the knowledge, right? And sometimes you can get a gut feeling about a company or you can know that it's run really well and, and things like that. However, there are there is something called the efficient market hypothesis and there's different levels to it. But the overall idea is most information is already reflected in the market price. No matter, and that means that you, there's, there's part of that hypothesis that says, you know, you can't use historical trends to, to predict the future. There's part of it that says you can't use even um, information about a company. You can't analyze their financials. You can't know about their management and, and, and do, you know, outperform the market on their stock. And there's part of it that says you can't even have insider information and beat the market. And I tend to think that part of the efficient market hypothesis is wrong. But my point is, there are people who have PhDs and whose job it is to basically beat the market consistently. And even they don't really do it. So my philo philosophy, and Eric, you, you believe this as well, is that it's better to kind of buy index, buy broad market, buy mm -hmm. things like that. Um, because if the market is beatable, which I'm not, I'm not convinced it is, I certainly don't have the time or the inclination to study enough and research enough to be able to be the one to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So instead of buying a single stock, we tend to lean towards ETFs. Um, and an ETF, I'm going to say similar to a mutual fund, which Lauren will help us understand a little bit more clearly here in a second. But essentially, they're a collection of individual stocks in one kind of combined fund. So you get... Uh, your fund represents sort of the, the market as a whole if that uh, helps at all yeah yeah so ETFs are going to track indexes basically solely that's what ETFs are going to track and you can buy stocks in that right and you can do that throughout the day that's kind of the nice part about ETFs is you can you know buy at the during the day mutual funds the big difference between mutual funds and ETFs is mutual funds are actively managed there is a person that is deciding or probably a group of people what the mix of mm -hmm. um, stocks are that that mutual fund is going to hold. And you can only purchase at the beginning or end of a trading day. Right. But the idea, yeah. So the, the idea is in a mutual fund or an ETF, you get, you get Apple, you get Alphabet, you get all these different companies, Netflix, Facebook, uh, Carnival, Disney, Royal Caribbean. Right. Right. The, the depending, on the, on, depending on the index. Depending on, but there, it could be a collection of 200 different funds, 500 different funds, a thousand different fun, uh, individual stocks that are made up into like one. Right. Collection. So, um, that's what we purchase just as a general kind of a safer long-term, uh, plan. For yeah. And I think if, if you want to invest in stocks, I think that's, I think that individual stocks, I think that's fine. Um, I think you should do that with quote unquote leftover money, right? If you, you have your investing plan, you stick to that. If like for us, it was a thousand dollars a month, whatever. If you save up some money above that and you want to go ahead and, and buy something else, that's fine. Um, but I wouldn't, you know, stake your retirement on, you know, Facebook or something like that. Cause you could have another Cambridge Analytica scandal or something like that. And any company can have that. Right. So if you have basically a broad market ETF or an S and P 500 ETF or any sort of index fund, you're going to be diversified away from those individual company decisions. Yeah, so I think the hot stock, you know, during this dip was the cruise lines because mm -hmm. they suffered the most. 
and they were anticipating this bailout, right. um, and Royal Caribbean didn't receive that. Carnival didn't either. Or Carnival didn't either. So because they're not um, headquartered in the U.S. Right. So I mean, it's, there's just risks like that, and if you're not uh, aware of those things, it, it, you know, it's even more riskier. But right, it's ba- it's a little bit more like gambling than investing to me, mm-hmm. personally. Now we do pretty good at the craps tables. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do, but sometimes we don't. Right. So uh, should we uh, transition back to real estate? Um, or let's see. Else? Well, you want to talk about how you were just like buy, buy, buying? Yeah, you know, I learned a lot uh, throughout the month, the past month, from from Lauren, uh, my lovely wife, about investing. <laughs> um, we've gotten a, in a couple of disagreements about how to approach this dip. I mean, my thought is buy, 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 buy as much as you could possibly stand to, to throw in there, throw it in there, because. Uh, I think as soon as we, as soon as quickly as we fell into this dip, we're going to come back out of it. Um, I I I I was to the point where I wanted to put in as much as twenty five percent, possibly more of our of our cash into the market. Um, but do you want to sort of explain what you've explained to me a few times as to why that's not necessarily uh, the best approach? Yeah, there's really two concepts in finance that are important to know when we're talking about this. The first one is it's really it's called the random walk. And that means that whatever the market just did, it can do the same or it can do the opposite. If it just went up, it can go down. If it just went up, it can go up. It has a random walk. We can't predict it, right? And that goes back to what I was just talking about in terms of the efficient market hypothesis, right? Any information that's out there is reflected in the market. There's also some behavioral finance to it where we have irrational human beings that are making decisions, which makes it very difficult to time. There's another concept called dollar cost averaging, and this is what most people do, and you may not even know you're doing it, but if you have a 401k, you are practicing a dollar cost averaging philosophy on the market because you are buying basically the same amount. Say you're you're on salary, say your salary is $50,000 and you put 10% into your 401k and you divide that up, you're going to be putting... 5,000 into your 401k throughout the year and you're going to divide up into equal increments. Boom, boom, boom. Every paycheck, a certain amount is going to go in. That's dollar cost averaging. Sometimes, um, sometimes that's say I don't know how much money that actually is, but some, let's say it's 400 bucks or 200 bucks a paycheck. Say that 200 bucks goes in and sometimes that 200 bucks buys a lot of stock, right? If the market's low, it's going to buy more. If the market's high, it's going to buy less but it's an equal dollar amount that you are putting in at intervals over time. And that's why it's dollar cost averaging. And that really has been our philosophy. Yes, sometimes you're gonna be buying, right? Like we did January 10th, February 10th. You're buying $1,000 each of those days because that's what we've been doing with our dollar cost averaging. But you're buying at the peak of the market, right? You keep doing that on the way down, you're gonna buy, buy, buy on the way down. Then you're going to buy on the way up. And the idea is that you're averaging everything out. And with the volatility that we've been experiencing, I think that's the way to go. Again, because we're not sophisticated. A, we're not particularly sophisticated investors in terms of stock buying and stock picking. Um, and also because even people who are don't do it, right? So we may have hit the bottom, right? The Dow being at 18.5 is just, it's incredible. <laughs> You can remember crossing 20 like five years ago or whenever that was. And you thought, I definitely thought we'd never go back down below Mm -hmm. that, right? Um, That might have been the bottom, which would make your purchases on March 17th and 23rd, you know, a $5,000 total just look absolutely amazing, right? 
However, as these unemployment numbers keep rolling in, and if we are not in a V-shaped recession and we're in like an L-shaped depression or something like that, where everything just falls off and just stays flat for a very long time, we may bottom out more. So it is encouraging. I personally am encouraged um, that yesterday went up and today looks like the futures are going to be up today. So I'm encouraged by that. Um, I think it would be great for the economy overall if we Mm -hmm. didn't dip back down. However, as new information enters the market and as people with their irrational behavior, you know, if you're a behavioral finance person, as that happens, we could have another dip. So that's why I am a firm believer in dollar cost averaging. It's, it's, it's safe. You're probably not going to hit a huge bet, um, but it's not like we're going to put $25,000 in and then have a, a 12% drop tomorrow and a 10% drop tomorrow. And, you know, we're, yeah. not, we're, we're basically we're staying somewhere in the middle, which I think I think is fine, especially because um, Eric's 27. I'm 30. I mean, we're buyers. For like the foreseeable future, buy, yeah. buy, buy. So it, to me, it doesn't matter so much what we're buying at. Yeah. Does that help? Yeah. No, it's, uh, I don't know. What do you think the fourth, third time <laughs> I've had that ex- explained to me? But yeah, no, it uh, makes sense to me. This is, uh, we're not gamblers. We're long-term investors. We're buyers. If the market's up 5% or down 5%, the long-term impact of that isn't huge. We're not day traders. It's not like it's going to impact right. us at all. It doesn't matter. Once you put that money in there, it's basically gone. Yeah, I mean, from our perspective, for, yeah. for, from our perspective, it, it's gone until we retire. Right. So, or a terrible emergency, I guess. But true. Um. So yes, I think let's transition back to real estate then. So we've talked about this before. Eric and I have a duplex, and so we have obviously a tenant on each side. The tenant on one side is late for April rent. Um, we're of course gonna waive the late fee for this month. Um, which is, I think it's 50 bucks. I'd have to check the lease to be sure. But um, we're going to have a decision in May whether to charge a late fee or not. Um, we're not allowed to evict right now. There's been a moratorium on evictions for 45 days. I don't know when that's technically up, maybe mid, mid-May or so. So, you know, what we're dealing with is our the rent is obviously due April 1st. He's never been late before. Um, the rent's due April 1st. He's going to pay us April 12th. What's going to happen May 1st? That's not a long time after April 12th. Um, so let's say we waive the late paint, the late fee for May. What do we do in June? And then what do we do in July? And when, when is he going to catch up? So this is something that we're dealing with because we're not heartless people. However, we bought that as an investment. We could, instead of putting the money into that place, we could have put it in the stock market. Like we were just talking about, we could have bought a ridiculously nice car (laughs) instead of buying that place. Right. So we put that there for a reason. And that reason is to collect rent um and we've we've made decisions in our lives to save that money and put that money aside in order to be real estate investors so you know i just want to kind of put that out there that landlords right now especially you know on facebook and things like that they're getting a very bad rap for being heartless and greedy and i really don't think most of them are that way you know we've stayed very disciplined with how we how we make money how we spend money so that we could invest in a, a rental property, which in turn is giving someone an affordable place to live very close to downtown St. Pete. And I believe in that. It's a nice property. Anytime they've ever had any issues, we have um, a property manager over there instantly, basically. So um, I just want to put that out there. That's another thing that, that we're dealing with. We still have our paychecks from our jobs, which is awesome. I just started a new job too. So very grateful to be where I am. So we have our paychecks, which is the main thing that we're very grateful for. Um, but we are going to start missing out on some rental income here. So, 
yeah, this is a, I think this is a tough topic and I can see both perspectives, the perspective of the tenant and the perspective of the landlord. Um, I know a lot of people are impacted by this much worse than we have been. Like you mentioned, we're fortunate to both have our jobs. Uh, and I feel, I feel terrible how this has wreaked havoc over our, our, our country and, you know, people losing their jobs and, um, not to mention, uh, the health impact of this that, that people are suffering from. Um, right. And the health goes beyond, I mean, obviously people are sick with, you know, COVID-19, um, but recessions, um, you know, people get depression, like actual, like mm -hmm. clinical depression. I'm not talking about the depression in terms of, you know, the economy. Um, but people get, you know, people lose their jobs and people get sick more often during recessions too. So that's something that we're headed for. Mental health and, uh, domestic violence goes domestic up. Domestic violence is really <laughs> bad right now. And, uh, I might just be making this up, but I think divorces go up as well. We'll see. During mandatory, uh, stay at home orders. <laughs> we'll see. There's no dad on that yet. But... I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, but yeah, that said, I mean, it's not really an accident where we are. Um, we've both worked very, very hard and made many sacrifices to be in this position um, that we're in. This this secure, rather secure, we at least feel somewhat secure right now, right now uh, yeah. position. So, and, and just another general comment about some people who might have lost their jobs. I have... Um, there's at least three different people that I know on a personal level, uh, friends and families, that have both been laid off or had hours significantly cut and have been able to find another job uh, to help offset some of their lost wages, if not entirely compensate for them. Of the three people, uh, one was able to find a gig driving for meal grocery deliveries, which, I mean, from what he tells me, he's making... Probably more money than he's making at his other job. He, you know, people are fairly generous during his time. He said he got a fifty dollar tip, and he mm -hmm. never even, uh, never even made contact with the lady he was delivering groceries for. So, good money to be made there. The other one was able to find a, a job in a grocery store. Um, you know, people are, I guess, buying groceries now more than they ever have been, and that's not going to stop anytime soon. And the third was able to find a position in a factory. Uh, which I assume is making metal, medical supplies or whatnot. Now, I mean, I obviously don't know everyone's specific situation, um, but for people that, that want to or, or rather need to make ends meet, there are opportunities for temporary employment. There, there are positions available, even during these um, down times. Yeah, it's, that's a good point, Eric. And it, we're not saying that you can definitely find something. I think what we're saying is it doesn't hurt to look. Take a look around and see what's out there. We also, I'll mention, we know quite a few um, other people who have had pay cuts, mm -hmm. right? We know quite a few people that have, um, basically, they're like, all right, you don't, you don't have a job for the next two weeks, or you don't have a job for the next month, and then we know a few people, it's like, yeah, you have your job, but we're cutting your pay 10, 20%, whatever. Yeah. So it's a hard, it's, it's a hard time for everybody. Yeah. And, and, you know, I guess I say that just because for our renter situation, right? Right. Um, you have a tenant that potentially can't pay rent. Right. Right. His, yeah, his hours have been cut, but what, what else could he be doing? Maybe nothing, right? I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, there's no, I think the point is there's no great answer to any of this. 
Yeah. Right. We're all just going to have to, you know, figure out what we want to do and, and move forward. And hopefully in a year we're looking back at all this and it's not a big deal. Yep. Um, so basically we're, we're lucky we both have our jobs. We work from home anyways, before this, during this, after this, that will be the case. We didn't buy that house. So we've got about a year of living expenses on hand, less and less with all the stock market purchasing you've been doing. <laughs> Should have bought more. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about this. <laughs> so, you know, there's this rumor going around the internet that Donald Trump is cutting 90% of Americans checks. What are your thoughts about how people should uh, best use this cash? Yeah, I heard he's going to sign every single one, too. I'm just kidding. Um, so, <laughs> yes, there are stimulus checks. I believe this is unprecedented. And in, at the, in 2008, 2009, the government, um, you know, and the head of the Treasury, you know, the Fed, they bailed out the financial industry, right? And that, that's how the too-big-to-fail thing started. Um, they did let Lehman Brothers fail, right? But then you start looking at, oh my God, can we let Bear Stearns fail? Can we let Wells Fargo fail? Can we let Wachovia fail? Like, at what point does it end? And, you know, after basically after Lehman failed, they realized uh, AIG is another one. They realized we can't keep letting these big companies fail. And so they bailed them out. And that was like $700 billion bailouts. They, what they wanted to do was buy toxic assets, you know, buy bad mortgage-backed securities where the underlying mortgages people were defaulting, but there was no time to figure out what those were. We're faced with a similar situation now where we don't have time to figure out who really needs $1,000, $1,200, $2,500, $3,000. We don't have time to figure out that. So everybody, almost everybody, 90% of people are getting checks. Um, so that's the reasoning behind it. People didn't... Were, People would have been pissed if the government money once again went to companies and not individuals. So I think that's what we're seeing here. It's also much larger, you know, two between two and six trillion dollars. That's a lot more than the seven hundred billion they did. And which, by the way, at the time, people couldn't believe that number in oh eight oh nine. Well, I mean, and the checks you, know, you talk about who's getting them, who's not getting them. I think ultimately it would it's probably going to accomplish the same thing, and that's to stimulate the economy and get people spending more yes. so the fact is they're pumping cash into the economy hoping to revitalize it or right and so. depending there's there's some some philosophical differences between economists on that too you know how much does you know government spending versus tax cuts how much of that gets into the market um and this basically is a tax credit versus direct government spending um, but yeah, it's, I think it's overall a good thing. Um, because we've talked about this on this podcast before more than half of America doesn't have a thousand dollars in their account, right? Couldn't handle an unexpected thousand dollar charge. Um, 40%, 40%, I think don't have $400 and that's before this, mm -hmm. right? And you guys, we've talked about the importance of an emergency fund, having three to six months living expenses on hand. We call it an emergency fund. This year it would be your COVID-19 fund. Right. Some mm -hmm. different year, it's your loser job fund. Some different year, it's a unexpected baby fund or whatever. But I know not everybody has disposable cash that they can save. I get that for sure. And that's why it's a good thing that people are getting these stimulus checks because they don't have that money in their account. Um, yeah. So, you know, pay, pay your rent, pay your groceries, things like that. Um, that's what most people are going to be doing with those stimulus checks. If you don't need them, there are some people with some pretty high incomes 
that are going to be getting these checks. If you don't need them, I'm, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think you go ahead and invest it. Why not? I mean, that could be your unexpected money, right? Go put $1,000 into Facebook stocks, right? There's your gambling money. You didn't think you were going to get it. Now you're getting it. Um, another option, which I think is a little more noble than that, is to donate it um, to somebody somebody who needs it um, or just buy stuff with it. I mean, actually, there's ways you can directly donate it, not even get it, I think, and just have it immediately sent to um, you know, a charity. Um, or you can get that money and go ahead and just buy supplies with it, buy kids lunches, you know, things like that. So those are a couple of different ways. I guess you can spend it on necessities, which is what most people are going to do because they need to. They absolutely have to. Um, you can donate it or you can do something good with it. I mean, or you can invest it. Yeah, all good options. So we uh, we also, so something that we should also talk about is uh, general investing advice here. Um, we read an article where Mark Cuban said, if you don't know what to do, it's okay to do nothing, right? You may be like, oh my God, the stock market up, down, up, down. I know there's something I should do. What is it? I just want you to know that even Mark Cuban, a billionaire, says sometimes it's okay to do nothing. Wait, wait, are you talking about Mark Cuban, our future president of the United States of America? I heard he's going to run when this is over, but um, <laughs> I'm talking about Mark Cuban, you know, owner of the Dallas Mavericks. <laughs> Um, so it's also okay, okay to what we did, to do what we did, which is postpone a big purchase like that house in times of uncertainty, having a larger than usual emergency fund is not a bad thing. Um, we can wait for things to settle down and then look for investment opportunities then. So I don't really have any, uh, good advice to give right now. I honestly feel like, uh, I'm the one that might need to hear advice. Um, but how about instead of sharing advice, I'll share something that I feel as though I'm currently struggling with, uh, during these times and that's simply staying productive. Um, prior to this, I felt pretty productive, you know, in going to the gym, um, working at at my job, building a business, um, just everything seemed to be going right and you, you get in a better state of mind. And when you get home, you, you know, you're reading books, you're doing this, you're doing that. It's just go, 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 go. But now, for some reason, it's like everything's slowed down a little bit, and you can't leave the house. Um, you can't go to the gym. Um, you start, at least in my case, again, again, I say I'm struggling with this. You start eating a little bit worse, maybe drinking a little bit more. Um, so I just feel like I need to sort of transition and think of this time as an opportunity to take on something that you otherwise might not have had the time to do. Mm-hmm. Like uh, maybe reading more and Lauren, that doesn't apply for you. <laughs> I don't think it's possible that she could read anymore if she wanted to. I read six books last week. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> you, so, you're going to play your guitar, right? Right, that's, right. That's, so kind of the that, that's like my, my plan is I, I, I've played the guitar on and off for many years and um, now's a good time since I can't leave to just take advantage of, of, of this. And when I get, when I'm done working at six o'clock or whatever, um, pick up the guitar start playing the guitar i mean maybe for other people it's it's a different instrument or writing or drawing uh anything really it's just um i think it's a it's a good opportunity here to take advantage of slow times yeah it's easy to get wrapped around this covid19 and quarantine self-isolation social distancing whatever we're calling it nowadays um and think of it as only a negative thing but there can be some positives that come out of it learn another language Mm, i'm gonna hard pass on that one but yeah that's good you could learn english too (laughs) oh wow (laughs) burn (laughs) jeez (laughs) all right let's wrap this up so we can get to work for the day 
So uh, what I normally say here, Eric, when I'm talking to Jenny is that's what I've prepared for today. But uh, I didn't really prepare this. You did. So uh, good job with that. I appreciate uh, credit when credit's due. So that's how (laughs) we're handling our personal finances in the midst of COVID-19. So you can find the Adulting is Easy blogs at realadultingiseasy.com. There's not one directly associated with this um, like there normally is, um, but there is one about alternatives to emergency funds that you might find interesting. You can follow us on Twitter at Adulting is Easy. We're also on Facebook. You can email us at realadultingiseasy at gmail.com. You can show support at patreon.com forward slash adultingiseasy. So I've been posting, especially on Twitter, some really good, credible articles about taxes, personal finance, et cetera, and how it relates to the virus. So definitely go check that out. Um, Thanks again for listening. Hopefully we've made adulting a little easier for you. Peace.